Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. Hello, greetings, guten tag, or however else you might say hello, and welcome to VFTR 2.0. I am Chad, coming to you from the attic, and I am joined by the co-host with the mostest, my good buddy, we call him Big Baby Daddy Diesel. Oh, Dadalak, I am joining you today from Diesel's Dapper Dungeon and Delight. I have this big savage Slim Jim staring me in the eyes. It's huge. I want to eat it, but I'll wait till later. But have you seen these things? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I've eaten plenty of these. They're awesome. If you don't know what they are, they're the Randy Savage Slim Jims. And they're like three times the size of a normal Slim Jim. And they're better because of that. And, oh, yeah. Uh, it's a heart attack in a stick, so you can thank me later when uh, you're getting, like, triple bypass. I mean, so much processed meat and just other spices in that. It's it's absolutely terrible for you, but absolutely delicious. Probably going to be part of my lunch today. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, just quick disclaimer as well. Sidebar. Ding, because I still forgot the bell. But... I just recently found out that way back when I had a whole tirade about Rockstar changing the flavor after they sold to Pepsi. You clearly remember me talking about this, right, Diesel? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Guess what? Fucking Rockstar's finally done it. They have released the OG flavor of Rockstar. It's not in stores, but I ordered it off Amazon, and I have a case coming on Friday, and I'm, I'm so excited. My mouth is literally watering thinking about it, and I feel like I'm just a child. You you hope that it's the OG recipe and they're not just yeah. fucking with you and they tinkered with it a little bit still. Oh, you man. Hope, like, is this the worst? Because I've had things where like, oh, yeah, like this is how it used to be. And you're like, this isn't the same. This isn't this isn't how it used to be. No, it's going to be good, Diesel. It's going to be exactly how I remember it, except for they have new cans. I won't lie. The new can is all gold. It looks pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I could go on a tirade about uh, how Nestle sold off like 80% of their candy division to Ferraro and ruined the Butterfinger. What? Yeah, I mean, this happened a couple years ago. But like, like if you look at it, they, Butterfinger has new improved recipe. My first thing is, why did the Butterfinger need a new improved recipe when they had the same great recipe for like 80 plus years? That's number one. And number two is, if you look at their wrapper, it's not the same. It's because they like use different chocolate, so they need to like I don't know. It's it's not the same. It's it's close replica, but it's it's not the Butterfinger that I used to know and love. And it bums me out every Halloween when I'm like, oh, I want a Butterfinger, and I see these like crappy little ones, and it's like, damn. You know, hot take here. I never liked Butterfingers anyway, so I, I just that's why I never knew that they ruined them. Because in my opinion. There was nothing to ruin because they're not that good. Well, they used to be. I don't. Not my cup of tea, man. 
It's okay. Yeah, they were mine. Different strokes for different folks, everyone. All right. Well, let's not beat around the bush because You're we right. got... No, I'm not done with this yet. Oh, God. I've never right. really been a fan of Rockstar either, but I just have been letting you get everything off your chest about Rockstar. And I've been nice about it, but no, you have to come and throw shade on me for liking Butterfingers. But you know what? It's on. It's on. I, didn't I don't throw... know what it is yet, but it's on. I, I didn't throw a single bit of shade about you liking Butterfingers. I just said, hot take, I don't like Butterfingers. I don't think they're very good. Well, you know what? Maybe that's true. It's still on. All right. I challenge you to something in the near future. Consequences to be determined. <laughs> Wonderful. I accept your very vague and ambiguous challenge for something at some time for something. That sounds great. Heard here first. Awesome. That's like, that's like legally binding right there. Yeah. Uh. Was a verbal contract entered into on a podcast at the, that I'm I could clearly cut Micah. out and just say never I'm happened. Call Micah right now, and I'm gonna get this toxic contract underway. Yeah, I could just delete this all, and it never happened. It's just your word versus mine. Then, oh, you got me uh, between a rock and a hard place. Okay, we're gonna start talking about something else now because it's time for hashtag TRT otherwise known as Top Rope Topics. And as promised earlier this year, and by earlier this year, I mean probably like a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago, it's G1 season now, folks. And this week, it's all about the G1. Because at time of recording, we have had the first three nights of action. Before we, we're going to go night by night, match by match, talk about each of them. But before we do, clearly there's an elephant in the room. And that is the new format of the G1, upping the number of competitors. And instead of it being A block and B block, splitting it into four blocks of seven. So each guy only has six matches over the uh, same course of time, almost. But uh, Diesel, what are your thoughts? Parts of me like it and parts of me don't. It's, it's weird because the old way of doing it with the two blocks was more organized. Like you knew like on this night, you were going to see a block matches and this night you're going to see B block matches and everybody was having matches at the same time. So like the leaderboard was pretty consistent all the way through. Now with this format with uh, four blocks, they're doing one match from each block a night, which I think is the best way to present it with the four blocks. But at the same time, you're having people that are wrestling two matches before somebody wrestles one match. And it's just, it's a little less organized. And, but at the same time, it's also, I don't know. It's, you're not seeing the same people wrestle every night too, because you have to wait in like another week or so until we get to see like, Tom Lawler and Great O'Conn and Evil and like some people that wrestle their first match. So like it, it kind of keeps the whole thing fresh because you're not watching the same people every night. So I mean, I think two thirds of me likes it, but it's still too new with only being three nights. I'm I'm waiting. I'm gonna wait till the end of the tournament 
before I make a final decision on whether I prefer it with the four blocks or the two. Yeah, I, I hear you on where part of me really likes it and part of me is trying to fight against it, I feel like is the best way to put it. Because yes, I, in some ways it feels less fair. And I know wrestling is a predetermined sport and everything like that. But with how the G1 was before, it was boom, 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 boom. You all are on every single night. If you're not in G1 competition, you're on the opening of the show in tag team or six-man tag action. And you're wrestling every single show. You're just going. And it is a sprint to the finish. It is not a marathon. It is go, go, go. You are on every night. And it was crazy. And it was wild, and it made the G1 just absolutely just batshit insane. This new way is more a marathon. It's not a sprint where it's, you're on this night. All right, you got three days off. You're on again. You got a week off. You're on again. And and let's say it is. And like, so like at your point is with like the less matches though, it's it's a shorter marathon when it would be a longer sprint, which is weird to think about. But at the same time, kayfabe it kind of makes it easier to win because you need less points to like get into the final or the final four. But it also makes it harder to win because you have less opportunities. But like like sometimes a wrestler will go on a run and win four matches in a row, and that could be enough for you to win the your these your blocks so yeah there's a lot of different things going on yeah and you only have six matches and they're spread out i have to say right away the thing that i do love about it is it's obviously way better for the wrestlers like you gotta they actually get time in between matches like if anybody does get a little bit of a mild injury or something you have time to recover and you can you know nurse something like that you don't have to be in the tag matches you have you know days off in between like this is clearly the much smarter way to do the G1, especially in the era we live in. And and I know old New Japan, they fucking hit even harder than they probably do in some ways today. But today's wrestling is so infinitely, it seems, harder on the body where it's just such a more fast-paced style and just everything is so high impact that I think this is, has to be the style or the format going forward. But yeah, I... I don't know if I can make a full judgment till we get to the end and see how the finals I, play out. I think, yeah, this is the first year of this new format. They won't go back. It it gets more wrestlers in the tournament too by doing it this way. And I fully expect it to be added like eight to a block within the next couple of years just because they can make this tournament because it is the most prestigious a tournament or tournament in all of wrestling. And like the more people you can get in it like the more names you can get from around the world to be in it the more prestigious it makes it so i i don't know i think this is the way they're gonna go for from now on but i hope they keep the best of the super juniors the a and b block keep that one the same because i do really appreciate that format because you're right it is a sprint it's different it's like it's a different mentality and i do like seeing the tournament the round robin tournament presented in that format uh did new japan miss a very easy trick and not go to 32 this year on g1 climax number 32 wow i didn't even think about that 
I didn't until you just said it. And then I was like, wow, well, if you're going to go to 28, why not just go to 32 this year? Get four right. more guys in there. I'm sure they could have found four more guys. Him. Mm. Okay, well, that's our you know thoughts on the format. And as I said, I think we both we all have to wait till the finals play out to see how you know having block winners compete in a final four scenario and then having a final match really is going to play out. Because as Diesel said before, the scoreboard was easy to watch. You know, each night everyone competed. You know who got their wins, who didn't, and where everyone stood in this new style. You know, just because someone lost, like, well, we'll get to it, but just because someone loses one night, their other competitors might not have even competed yet, so they're still sitting at zero points anyway, so it's, you just have no idea right now. It's very chaotic for how this is going to play out in the end in this style. Like, we just, you just have no idea. There's too many outliers and random numbers to try and algorithmically figure it out. Good for the storytelling, too, in a way, because... Basically, you'll have somebody. I mean, obviously, somebody's going to have four points before somebody even wrestles a match. So that puts pressure, like in the story, on like Tom Lawler on his first match because, like, somebody in his block already has four points. And, like, that's a way you can lose a match. You can, like, tell the story, like, that's in their head. They got in their own head and they really wanted these points. And, like, yeah, it's there's a lot. It's so chaotic. So it makes me even more interested to tune in for night four on was it Thursday or Saturday? I mean, Saturday. Yeah. All right. Well, enough of uh, just, you know, talking around it. Let's just get into these uh, G1 matches and we'll clearly start night one, which was this past Saturday, which I believe was the 16th. Right. Yes. Yeah, yep. Saturday the 16th, July 16th. And both Diesel and I aren't going to lie to you. We're not watching the opening tag matches. We're both fathers. We're we both just, got shit to do. Well, yeah, we're just focusing on the tournament itself. Correct. So our first G1 action of the year came from C Block. And this was Aaron Hanare taking on... Tanahashi, the ace of New Japan. And right away, I like the fact that they put over competing in this match. He will have now competed in the most matches in G1 history. And no offense to Tana, but you could tell. Like, this is, he's getting, he's slowing down with age, boys and girls. It's just, it happens to everyone. Father time is undefeated and unrivaled. And Tanahashi is about to go down for that count. Yeah, I would not be surprised if this is his final G1. Um, this match, yeah, it was, I mean, it was kind of boring just because it was slow, but it kind of had to be slow because, yeah, Tanahashi can't go as fast as he used to. I mean, it was an okay match, but, like, I thought for opening the tournament, this wasn't the best match to do that. I know it has the star power with Tanahashi and they're trying to like make this night like one of their biggest star filled nights because it's the opening night but uh, they could have went with a different opening match in my opinion yeah uh, we had Hanare right away coming out and smashing the air guitar before the match even started which I, I like that little play but yeah really this was just Hanare dominating 
most of this match. It was only 11 minutes and 11 seconds, which I think is funny as I just looked up the times before we started recording. But Hanare got the win, uh, hitting the Streets of Rage after an Ultimo, the full Nelson submission, and hitting a wicked spin kick. And then it was just over. It was quick. Hanare picked up two points. I gave this match 2.75 stars out of five. Because as I just thought I, it was there. I, that's how I feel, too. Like, I kind of felt bored. And I also gave it a 2.75 stars. It was okay. I think like an average match in new japan is three stars so i think this match was below average and and at least in my rating system i it was just there like that's the best way to put it yeah no and no offense to the ace obviously he's one of the best of all time but he's just you know shit happens i think anare though looked good i really am excited to see where he goes uh, especially in this g1 with his next five matches but we'll go on to match number two of night one. And this came to us from D Block. And this was a big match right off the docket. And this was ELP, whose jacket said extremely long phallus, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> and Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton were just like, whatever, it's ELP. And they chuckled to themselves. But this was ELP taking on Osprey, William motherfucking Osprey. It's I. I love both these wrestlers. I I like the fact that they put over on commentary that they've had plenty of matches in the junior heavyweight division, but this is the first time technically they've had a match both in the heavyweight division. And I mean, this match was a banger because both these guys can move real fast and like for as big as like Will Ospreay is now, he's still like defies like nature and like elp is just awesome like with all his mannerisms and all of his i mean i forget who i said he was like a love child of i know one of them was uh red titus but i forget who else i said <laughs> red titus and somebody else then that's the love child is elp but yeah this match was awesome yeah, so right away, uh, Osprey was kind of outclassing ELP. Like, you could see that this is ELP's first time in the heavyweight division in New Japan, and Osprey's been a heavyweight contender for a while. So the story kind of started with that ELP was getting outclassed, and Osprey just had the answers for everything until ELP basically hulked up, hit a huge dive and chops, and then hit one of the biggest moonsaults where he literally aside up to the top rope and did a full moonsault springboarding off the top rope and landed it perfectly. ELP is really impressive and I've seen him a bunch of times like sporadically here and there but man since he's gotten to New Japan as a full-time competitor the guy is just fucking blown up and is just so motherfucking over right now with the crowd like I know they're not allowed to cheer right now but this the clapping was some of the loudest for the entire night for ELP. Anytime he was trying to get the crowd going, and it's just wild how much they love him. It's because he is charismatic and like he's good. I remember who uh, the other person was. ELP is the love child of Rhett Titus and X Pac. Um, but yeah, I can see it. Yep. <laughs> uh, he is awesome. Like I like. 
hadn't seen much of ELP before the best of the super juniors. I think I've seen maybe a couple matches here and there, like on YouTube, but never that much. And I really liked him in the best of the super juniors. So I was very excited that he was in the G1. Um, So I think that even though this was his first match, he still stepped it up like a step from the best of the super juniors. And I know it's against Will Ospreay, but like this match, I was going to say like out of the 12 matches so far, this is my favorite match of all three nights. And also one of the reasons it's one of my favorite matches is because of the end, like you didn't know, like there was times where you thought that ELP definitely was going to win this match. Dude, he hit a reverse Spanish fly. When he hit that reverse Spanish fly, I like, I was like, oh, this match is over. But then Osprey was like power bombing the fuck out of him right after that. And I was like, oh, it's over again. And then it still wasn't. And then he hit, I forget what he'd hit, but like he had, he thought it was over and there was only the two count. And Will Ospreay kicked out and ELP went to complain about the two count. And when he did, Osprey pops up and hits like the best uh, hidden, hidden blade. blade that I've ever seen him hit just because of the moment and like how quick it happened. And it, it was the best one and got the win. It was, yeah, this match was fucking awesome. I yeah. gave this match four stars. Yeah, no, there was a super runner in there from ELP. And then, yeah, that finish where they were just blocking because uh, he kept going for the CR2. And then Will Ospreay kept trying to set up for the storm arrow. And like they just kept reversing everything and hook kicks and super kicks. And then, yeah, ELP thought he got the win. And, you know, take your eyes off uh, Willie Butcher, a.k.a. William Ospreay for one second. And, yeah, hidden blade to the back of the dome. One, two, three. 15 minutes and six seconds. Osprey gets the win. I gave this match 3.75. And I really thought about four stars. I think if it had gone maybe like another two to three minutes, I think I'd have gone four stars. But I think there was some, it was a great match. Don't get me wrong. But this, yeah, one of my favorites of the tournament, clearly. My thing that put it up above 3.75 was that hidden blade. Like the way it happened, where like all the near falls at the end, too. And just like how ELP, like he had the match won. He just he complained and like Will Ospreay took advantage of that. And like yep. literally, it was the best hidden blade that I've ever seen by Will Ospreay. Yeah, and then after the match, as ELP got out of the ring, the camera focused and he just fainted. And I thought that was really great after the fact. Just ELP is so good at pro wrestling. He's wonderful. I agree. I'm so glad he's in this tournament. Yeah. All right, uh, next on the card, it came from B Block, and this was one of the matches that everyone clearly had on the docket for, you know, contender of match of the tournament, because these two guys can just fucking go. And one of them is the catalyst of pro wrestling, also the champion of New Japan Pro Wrestling. It is the Switchblade, Jay White, and then taking on Blonde Santa Claus, Sonata. Man, he, like... Yeah, he's really stepped up his look with, like, all blonde. It's like, at first it was, like, an eyesore. It took a minute to get used to. Like, it almost looked like he was wearing, like, headgear or something like that at first. <laughs> it didn't look didn't look right to me. But, uh, I mean, I love Sonata, and I love Jay White, how 
Like, he works to the Japanese crowd. Like, he knows that they can't chant. He still tries to get them to chant. I love how he gets the other guy over every match he's in. He starts clapping, Sonata. And he gets the, he always gets the fans behind the other guy, but at the same time, they're behind him. It's like the way he works those fans is like the best out of any wrestler in New Japan. And that's literally my first note on my page here is Jay's heel antics without compare currently in pro wrestling. That's my first note on my little sheet. He's just really good at it. He's really good. He's a good talker. He can talk on the mic, but he can talk in the ring. It's just, it's really awesome. I like the fact that I really like Sonata, and I like the fact that every year in the G1, he feels like a legitimate threat, but you also know at the same time he's not going to win it, even though, like, you want him to win it because he seems like an awesome dude, and he's a really good wrestler for being as big as he is, but... He's smooth, like butter. This match was... This match was really good. It it was hard being on the heels of the last match, but like they definitely kept the crowd up with the clapping and like this was a good match. Yeah, this match, I I feel like I've seen him do better in this match. This match I didn't dislike, but this match there was. So I think the beginning of the match was just Jay destroying every barricade with Sonata's body. Like he clearly just as Jay he gets the crowd into it, and then he just pisses off his competitor with the two sweets and just. Just his constant chatter. And he pissed off Sonata and they got him to the outside and just basically wrecked him for most of the match. Like most of this match was Sonata trying to play catch up with Jay White. Like Jay White was at least two steps ahead of Sonata the whole match, it seemed like, until we had a wonderful little time where it seemed like Sonata was coming back. And then you clearly have Gato out there and Gato's a piece of shit. And I love how much Kevin Kelly just fucking hates Gato. Like that's all he talks about. Get your piece of trash ass out of here. Like, constantly on commentary and i love it fills me with my heart with joy the hatred that he feels for him and then the inadvertent low blow spot where sonata got rocked and then kicked jay in the balls was some of the like best timing i just i'm sure i've seen it before i guarantee it's happened before in other matches but like it just felt fresh like i hadn't seen it in a long enough time that i was like yeah that was some funny stuff I mean, I liked uh, Red Shoes' reaction to it, too. He's like, until he's explaining that it was an inverted, and, like, Gato is trying to say, like, it's a disqualification. And Jay White, I think, it was, too. But, like, yeah, it just, I like Red Shoes, like, but at the same time, uh, Sonata kind of had, like, a little smirk on his face, like, was it? Was it an accident, or did he do it on purpose? You never know. You'll never but, know. But, uh, I mean, I hate the paradise lock except i love it at the same time like it only works for sonata like i don't ever want to see any other wrestler do it when sonata does it i like it for some reason and i like how everybody commits and i like that the key to opening the paradise lock is a drop kick to the asshole like uh-huh. nobody can get out of it except for yano which is yes yeah, the key but, like <laughs> But, like, I like how, like, it's, it's such a stupid move. Like, obviously, all you have to do is just move your body and, bam, you're out of it. But, like, I just love the commitment and, like, how much fun Sonata makes it look and the crowd gets into it and stuff. But I don't want to see anybody else do it. I, once again, have written in my notes, Paradise Lock sucks, dot, 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 or does it? 
<laughs> right? Because I just because I also I like hate it. Even sometimes when Sonata does it, I hate it. But then in this match, like Jay White was like, oh, oh, oh I'm too smart for the Paradise Lock, and then he got locked in it anyways. And then I was like, ha ha, you're not so smart, are you, Jay White? You fucker. Well, I mean, it's kind of Sonata looks like a serious fucking dude. So like him to do like comedy spots like that, it yeah. like works for his character. Like, I mean, if I saw Sonata in real life, I might be scared, man. He looks, you know. He could mess your face up for sure. He's a very right. pretty man, but he also looks like he could fuck your world up. Uh, but then, yeah, end of the match, we had just Jay White and Sonata. This is when you see that they're just really fucking good at pro wrestling because you had just a constant back and forth because the skull end is a dragon sleeper and the blade runner is kind of set up from the dragon sleeper position. So you just had them trading back and forth, trying to set up for this, their finishers. Reversal after reversal. Reversal after reversal until finally Jay White with a little distraction from Gato with a very deep eye rake, basically looking like he was going to take out one of Sonata's eyes with his thumbs before hitting the blade runner. 18 minutes, 7 seconds. Jay White picks up the victory. I gave this match 3.25 stars. I ranked it a little bit higher. I gave it 3.75. I really like the end sequence with all the reversals. And I mean, like that. I Like I said, I really like the way Jay White like commands the crowd. And I feel like these two are always a good matchup. I would agree with that. Our main event of night one came to us from A Block. And this was, well, I, I just scrapped their names for a second. Sorry, I had a brain fart. This was Jeffrey Cobb of the United Empire taking on the Rainmaker himself, Kazuchika Okada. And right away, my first note from this is Jeff Cobb was so shiny. Like, his entrance, like, he literally looked like he was made of metal. He was so shiny. And then Okada came out in the brand-new entrance robes and everything like that. But, yeah, I was I was very excited for this match to begin with. I was pretty excited for this match, too. I liked the fact they put over on commentary right away, like, their past meetings and how they – I think they said they were one and one against each other. So, like, it definitely planted the seed in your mind that Jeff Cobb could win this match. And right away, Jeff Cobb just, like, went on the offensive and, like, he was a real dick like he usually is. But that's I, – I love the fact that he's uh, wrestled in the Olympics and how much of an asshole he is when he wrestles. Like, it's, like, not like what you would think would be an Olympic wrestler. Like, I don't know. I just love no, he's, his... Yeah, he's such a dick about everything. And I just love how right away he's just overpowering Okada. And it's not overpowering in the... Like, I mean, he's just decimating him, obviously. But he's overpowering him in that really arrogant way where he, like, lets him, like, strike at him. But he's like, dude, nothing you can do can hurt me right now. I'm Jeff fucking Cobb. And I'm sure Tom, if he's watched it, I know he's unplugged from the Matrix right now. But if he's watched it yet, was marking out this whole time. Yes, I... Thought this match, though, could have been a little better. Than maybe my expectation was a little higher than it should have been for this match because uh, it didn't necessarily live up to the hype. It was still a solid match. But, like, I don't know. Maybe maybe it was also because I, like, wanted Jeff Cobb to win this match that and him losing it kind of put a little bit of sour taste in my mouth. I don't know. But, like, I thought it was a solid match. 
Yeah. I mean, Okada DDT'd his way back into the match as he always does against bigger opponents. Whenever he's facing a bigger guy, if he gets down to the beginning of the match, the DDT's his best friend, and he goes to it constantly. And don't get me wrong, Okada's got a beautiful DDT, but it did feel like that's what he just kept going to over and over in this match. And then Cobb was just unloading on Okada for so much of this match that it really just puts over like how much of an Iron Man they portray Okada to be. Like to beat Okada, you have to beat Okada. You don't. You don't get cheapy victories against Kazuchika Okada. Like he's lots of other guys in New Japan rest, pro wrestling. You can wait. You can beat on a, like a random night. Like you can get lucky. Not not the Rainmaker. The Rainmaker. You got to fucking beat. Yeah, I really like uh, towards the end of the match. Uh, they kept on stealing each other's moves. Like Jeff Cobb did a tombstone. And then uh, Okada no-sold it, I believe, and got up. And then he did the spinning tombstone. I believe Okada hit uh, two of the islands on Jeff Cobb at one point. And then uh, Cobb hit the Rainmaker on Okada. Like, yeah. I really like that spot, how they kept on getting up and then using each other's moves against each other. Yeah, that was a hell of a rain. I literally have that in my notes. Hell of a Rainmaker by Cobb, but couldn't make the cover, like, right away. Took him a minute, and then Okada kicked out. Yeah. Um, and then you had the, the finish. Then you had the finish with the Enziguri, that wild emerald flosion from Okada, which is just impressive as all to see on Jeff Cobb, who's just fucking huge. And then uh, finally, obviously, Rainmaker to finish. 21 minutes, 30 seconds. Okada gets the victory. And uh, I rated this one 3.5. I also thought it could be better. I also had it at 3.5. There was a lot of good spots, but like, I don't know. I just feel like in my mind, I must, I already had it at like a four star match before it even started. And I probably shouldn't have thought about it that way. It just, it was a solid match. I really enjoyed it. It's just, I wanted more. I wanted more out of this match. Yeah. Yeah. It was a 3.5. That's I, I'm glad we agree on that one. All right. On to night two, Sunday the 17th. And night two started, well, with a bunch of tag matches, but G1 action started with B-Block. And this was Tai Chi taking on the Stone Pitbull. Stone Pitbull. Sorry, I had a hiccup there. Ishii. Yeah, this was a much better way to start out a night. Like, I wasn't super stoked for this match i mean i like ishii um tai chi like chad's talked about how he's really growing on him and i can kind of see what chad's talking about especially in this match like the crowd is super behind tai chi and like they were going blow for blow like this match was like a battle I just remember thinking, like, how is Tai Chi, like, not down and out after all these shots he's taken from Tomohiro Ishii? It's because he's delivering these shots right back. It was, like, this match was almost like a last man standing match without the stipulation of being last man standing. It's like these guys were going to beat the shit out of each other until somebody won. Yeah, no, I I mean, it started long before it, but ever since, like, he, Tai Chi has started this feud, and now it's kind of on the back burner. But the Shingo feud, where Tai Chi is just, he's also bulked up, 
he is just a bruiser and his axe bomber lariat that he does i don't know why but it's just different like so many people do a lariat nowadays but it's for some reason it feels like a different kind of clothesline from hell it's clearly not the clothesline from hell but his axe bomber clothesline is just so great and i love it i love everything about tai chi but uh, <coughs> i won't lie I think this is also probably getting close to uh, Tamahiro Ishii's last G1 as well, because I had kind of the same issue I had with the Tana match from night one, where Tai Chi clearly ready to go up to the next level here, and Ishii is on the back nine. So I like this match. I thought it could have been better. It was bruising, but I uh, it was uh, clearly won by Tai Chi. Uh, the Black Mephisto for the win. Also, his move names are just awesome. So, I mean, Black Mephisto, come on. How cool is that? Uh, 15 minutes, 21 seconds. I gave only this match 2.75. I gave it a full star more than you. I gave it 3.75. Wow. I like this match a lot. I I liked how heavy hitting it was. Like, it felt like on paper that Ishii should have like battered Tai Chi and eventually outlasted him for the win, but that's not how it happened. And I kind of like your comparison to the Tanahashi match and like Ishii to Tanahashi because like uh, Hanare won and Tai Chi won and they're like ready to like um, ascend. Ascend. There you go. That's what I was looking for. So, like, yeah, that was a good comparison. I like that. But, yeah, I gave it 3.75. It was a hard-hitting match. I I like matches like that. I, I liked it. But, once again, I, I expected this from Tai Chi at this point. He's had a lot of, like, great matches, especially, as I said, the matches with Shingo recently. So, I guess I was just expecting. This is one of those times where, just like you did, and probably I did as well, the last Jeff Cobb versus Okada match, I thought it was going to be something more than it was. And, thus, I ruined my own enjoyment of the match. All right, let's move on to the next match of night two. Match two of night two came to us from A Block. And I guess this block is being officially referred to as the Monsters Block. And uh, this match was Toriano taking on Jonah. I don't I don't really have a lot to say about this match because I I just fucking I'm done. I'm done with I'm done with Yano. I don't I wanted to see him get absolutely dominated here and squished. It didn't happen and I'm upset. Like how you said squished instead of squashed, but uh that's actually pretty funny, I'm not gonna lie. I don't know why you don't like Yano. Yano is awesome. I love Yano. I thought this match was a lot of fun. I guarantee you, I rated this match higher than you did. Oh, and, I guarantee. I mean, I obviously came into this thinking that Jonah was going to get the win, but like I wasn't at the time watching this match, wasn't very disappointed with the way Yano got the win because it was kind of Jonah's fault because it was what's his face on the outside that helped him like get in that like scenario where Yano could give him the low blow and climb in the ring and beat Jonah by a count out. I don't know. There's a lot of funny antics and I just enjoy Yano. I gave this match a 3.25. Uh, I once again gave this match a full star rating lower than you did. And this is my lowest rated match of the tournament so far at 2.25. There were a couple of funny spots in there, but just still 
fucking Yano. Fuck Yano. It's good for what it was. I the way I looked at it though was I don't expect Jonah to win this block. So at the same time, it's like whatever. He's gonna get some wins. Like Yano has to win at least a match. Like whatever. This is the only way he could beat Jonah. At least booking sense, it makes sense, you know. And it was only nine minutes, so nine yeah. minute one second. I forgot I didn't say that, but so they kept it short and sweet. But still, just put someone else in the G one. There's so many other people I would rather see in the G one than Yano. I know we love our comedy spots, but put the comedy in the beginning, opening of the show. We have a whole fucking half of the show we can do the comedy in. All right, we're going to move on because we're also just going up Yano rant because it just annoys me. But next on the card, this came match came to us from C Block. And this was probably one of the matches I was most excited for when I saw match announcements because this was Kenta taking on Zack Sabre Jr. I thought this match started slow, but I mean, it's a Zack Sabre Jr. match. So, like, Course it's gonna start slow. Um, sidebar. Ding. Did you ever listen to uh Kenta's NXT theme music? I did. I did indeed. I didn't listen to it on my way to work. I actually listened to it on my way home because I forgot on my way to work. Isn't that, wasn't that a banger? It was. I forgot. It was really good. What was his name? Um Tommy. Yeah. Um Something to Tommy. What was his first name? Hideo Tommy. Hideo Tommy. I mean, Kenta is a lot easier name to remember. But like, I do like that guy. But his his NXT entrance music was a banger. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, this match, of course, it's gonna start slow. It was a Zack Saber Junior match, and this is you know Zack Saber Junior's you know former trainer and everything like that, and like the guy who got him into J- Japanese pro wrestling and like actually like showed him to the scene. I mean. They started out just beating the shit out of each other, and Kenta clearly had the upper hand in the strikes. So, you know, Zack Sabre Jr., he ain't a dumb one. Go for the leg lock. I like there's a lot of good spots. They had that spot where they were trading off kicks, where they were sitting in the ring, and Kenta told Zack Sabre Jr. to kick him, and then Zack Sabre Jr. wasn't going to let him one-up him, so he did the same thing. So then Kenta told him to do it again, but when he did it, Zack Sabre Jr. basically did a blockbuster on him. Instead of kicking them, like, the yeah, like you said, uh, the ZSJ is no dummy. Um, there's a lot of good spots. Also, like how a lot of the match when Kenta was down and he'd be sitting there, like catching his breath, Zack Saber Jr. would just be like kicking him in the face and just kept on like rubbing his boot up against his face. And Kenta was just letting him do it, and it was just getting Kenta more angry and more angry. And every time he did it, then all of a sudden Kenta would pop up and just start striking like. Yeah, this match was pretty badass. Yeah, I mean, Zack Sabre Jr. felt disrespected by Kenta, and Kenta felt disrespected by Zack Sabre Jr. So they say you never hit anyone harder than your best friends, and I feel like they, in real life, are very good friends. So they kicked the living shit out of each other through this whole match. And then near the end, Kenta, just having dealt with all the disrespect from Zack Sabre Jr. through this whole match, just beat the piss out of him and then was pinning him for two counts and then lifting him back up. Yeah, Kenta had this match won like three times. 
literally Zack Sabre Jr. wasn't going to kick out. And like, I mean, I expected Zack Sabre Jr. to win this match, but that pretty much like guaranteed the win. But like, I love the confidence and the cockiness of Kenta to lift his shoulders off the mat when he had the match won. Yeah. And then ZSJ, because you don't mess with ZSJ. You don't keep giving ZSJ chances. He's one of those, you don't let him hang around. You let him hang around, you're going to do something stupid, and you're going to get caught, which is exactly what happened to Kenta. Kenta, with his hurt arm, went for another pin, and ZSJ grabbed him in a trapping arm lock. And Kenta, though he trifled about it after the match, clearly tapped out almost immediately, knowing what was coming. Because ZSJ had him dead to rights in that arm lock. And ZSJ, I love how commentary put it over that Kevin Kelly's like, I've never seen ZSJ look so bad in a victory. And then he came over on uh, the mic and he was like, what are you talking about? This is all part of the plan. I'm, I'm Zack Sabre Jr. I, I got it. Fuck Kenta. Yeah, no, this match is badass. What did you rank it? Uh, it was 21 minutes, 33 seconds, four stars I gave this match. I gave it... Just a little under. I gave it 3.75, but it was a banger of a match for sure. Yes, this I do believe is my highest rated match of the tournament so far. And But you know, I'm a huge ZSJ and Kenta Mark, so don't be shocked by that, folks. All right, we move on to the main event of night two. And this came to us from D-Block. And this was a match that I wasn't really that excited for when it like came out. But then this match, I, I was quite impressed with it because this was rock hard. Juice Robinson taking on the dragon, Shingo Takagi. And first of all, both these guys, damn, they are fucking jacked. Yeah, I like Juice Robinson as the heel. I also like uh, on commentary, they kept on putting over how he is not the United States champion, no matter what he says. And in reality, no matter what Shingo's taking home a higher purse, because right now he technically is the 2022 King of pro wrestling champion. So like, I just love the fact, and I love how much Kevin Kelly hates Juice Robinson now for lying about him ending his career and then lying about an appendicitis. He's like, whether it's true or not. Yeah, I love the fact that they are just putting over the fact. Was this appendicitis real? We don't know. I feel like it was really real, but they're now playing it off so hard that I'm like, was it real? Like, I thought he actually got sick. I love uh, Kevin Kelly is like super hating on Juice Robinson now. Yeah. No, the commentary, once again, New Japan gets it. Their commentary, Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton, just great. Great. Sometimes uh, Gino pops in. <laughs> Gino! Like, how did that start? Did I miss something? Yeah, like, I don't. Was I, Gino we, a real like commentator at one point? Or I don't know. what? I, 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 Diesel, I must have missed something as well. I don't know. We'll have to ask but Brett. I love it. I love it's it. Hilarious. Just in the random shit that he says. Just absolutely great. But yeah, this match was like... It wasn't as like back and forth as I thought it would be. Juice actually kind of dominated large stretches of this match where I just like I couldn't Shingo clearly couldn't get out like first gear, as Kevin Kelly likes to say. It felt like every time like he would get anything going, just juice shut him the fuck down. Every time. Yeah, I like how uh they also put over that this is was Juice's first match since turning heel in Japan. Singles yeah. match. 
And like he definitely has a different feel to him than he had before. Record! With the 2018, the one where he had the broken hand and he didn't win a match until his final match. Like he lost every single match yeah. up until his last match. And like, like it was almost like they were making a mockery of him. Like, and then after that, he kind of like changed. He felt like he got better and like, look, he's all bulked up now. And I love him as a heel. I love this. Yeah. Yeah. He like, yeah, and he did. He like took Shingo like right away. Shingo couldn't even get his jacket off before Juice Robinson was all on top of him. Yeah, and I mean the both of these guys are basically known for their straight lefts or straight right hands that they just punch people right in the face with all the time. And both of them, God, how many shots to the chin did both of them take? And then near the end, Juice was just fucking laying in haymakers it felt like on shingo and don't get me wrong i know they're pulling punches and they're slapping their legs so it's louder and everything but still he's making contact and it can't feel good yeah some of them look like potatoes for sure yeah um yeah but yeah they're i mean they're giving it to each other though like Oh, yeah, and Shingo was not fucking around either. They had a lariat off at one point in this match where, like, literally the, like, sweat and, like, just water, like, just shooting into the air off of contact was wild. I mean, New Japan camera and lighting, they get it. They're not, they're not like, you know, WWE levels of that kind of stuff, but still, they get it. I mean, it makes for a better presentation, in my opinion. Like, I sometimes think, like, the bare bones presentation looks better than all this, like, hoopla and shiny lights and, yeah. Yeah, no, but uh, the end of the match came with Juice hitting, like, five, not, it was probably, like, three, but he just kept whacking Jingo in the face with the left hand of God over and over, went for the rock slide, couldn't get him up for it. And then I love how commentary put this over. Went for the pulp friction again, even though he only got a two count out of it a little earlier. Got the winning with the pulp friction. And then after the match, first of all, Kevin Kelly was nice for a second and was like, oh, I love how he was smart enough to go back to the well, even though he doesn't usually win with it. And then Juice got on the mic and was an absolute prick to everyone and said, fuck you at the end of it. And then Kevin Kelly went back to hating him completely. And it was just wonderful. I love how much Kevin Kelly hates him. It's it's hilarious. Uh, this, as I teased during the pre-show, the last match was 21 minutes and 33 seconds. This main event was also 21 minutes and 33 seconds, which I think is just a very odd, weird little thing that happened. Yeah, that is crazy. I gave this match 3.75 stars. Oh, right under 3.5. I really enjoyed it. I just, uh, I don't know. This, even though it was 21 minutes, it did feel in some ways short in some kind of way. I don't really know how to describe it because I knew it wasn't short, but it didn't feel like this. I felt like the two matches should have been switched. Kenta ZSJ should have main evented and this should have been the semi-main. Yeah, I I know we texted about it. He said uh, you weren't as much of a fan of night two as night one. Um, going by my ratings, I think I have night one just a little bit higher in the star ratings. Uh, I enjoyed both nights. I didn't enjoy night three as much as night one and two, though. I'm gonna just say that right now. I, yeah, 
I would say that night three was probably my least favorite of the night so far. But that's all right. We still got to talk about it, and there was still good stuff on it. So let's head to night three, which just occurred at time of recording this morning for us. So Diesel and I actually started recording about half an hour late so that we could get in to make sure that we both got to watch all these G1 matches before we started recording. So we're as most up to date as we've probably ever been on this podcast. Yeah, it's, it's actually crazy. It's wild. All right. Well, we kick off night three with a D block match. And this was Yujiro Takahashi taking on David Finley. And my first note is, welcome back, Peter. Good seeing you. Good seeing you, Peter. Uh, did I miss something? No, she just as she hasn't been around all the time. Oh, I got gotcha. you. I'm an idiot. Yeah. Um. Yeah. His hoe, basically. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, you yeah. know, it's Tokyo hoe. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all. Yeah. The bullet <laughs> I mean, babe. That's what she is. As it were. Yeah. I mean, I think he's a he's a Tokyo pimp. Um. Yeah, I I like David Finley, and it's. It's awesome that it's his first G1, but this match didn't do it for me like no. in any way at all. I just thought this match was kind of bleh. I don't know. I feel like Ujiro is in this to like take pinfalls and stuff like that. That's not what happened in this match. I just, I don't know. Like with the whole thing, like um, what's their like subgroup called? House uh, of Torture. Yeah, I do not like the House of Torture. And with, wait, they have Yo, right? Show. Oh, they have Show. They have Show. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yo. Yeah. Show. Hey, Yo. Yo, Show. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, like Show getting involved. It just, I don't know. It just seemed really clunky and everything like that. I just, I don't know. I don't like, I feel like you felt with the Yano match. I don't really have much to say about this match. Yeah. It, I, yeah, I was kind of bummed that. It was this match that yeah, it started it. Yeah, I I kind of agree with you. The like the match like started with some like a little arm ring competition, and Finley had a cool reversal where he kind of used the ropes to get out of it, and that was like, oh, maybe this will be some fun. Then they went to the outside, and Yujiro hit one of the worst ever reverse DDTs on the outside ever, and I don't. Like, I know it's concrete out there and they're trying to be safe, but that, like, went beyond safe and it just looked terrible. It looked like he just, it looked like he literally, like, was setting a baby down as he sat down on the apron or on the ramp with him. And it just really took me out of it. And, yeah, I mean, the best part of this whole match was the fact that Peter was out there. Like, I won't lie. That was the best part of the whole match. Uh, It was 12 minutes, 59 seconds. Uh, It was a a wrench shot from show that led into the big juice from Yujiro for the three count. And uh, I gave his match 2.5. I just, I couldn't give it lower than that because I wouldn't give it lower than the Yano match. I gave it a 2.25. This is my lowest rated match so far on the tournament. Just didn't do it for me. It just, it never clicked the whole time. And I just, I didn't like the finish. Yeah. I, I I agree. I'm not the biggest House of Torture fan either. I do like show a lot and I wish they would do something else. And I really, I really hope that this G1 or hopefully leading into Wrestle Kingdom, maybe the house torture just completely separates from Bullet Club as a whole. But since we don't have much to say, let's move on to match two of night three. And this came to us from B Block. 
And this was the good bad guy, Tamatanga, taking on the crown jewel, Chase Owens. And quick sidebar, ding. So the other day on the podcast, I don't remember if it was actually on the podcast or we talked about it like during a pre-show or just over text. But we were talking about the fact that if you were a pro wrestler, you feel like you would wrestle like Bad Luck Fall A does. And watching this match, and it's not just because they're a great tag team together, but I've now really thought about it. If I was a pro wrestler, I would definitely wrestle like Chase Owen or yeah, Chase Owens, who's kind of like an amalgamation wrestler where he does like everyone else's moves and he's also just shit talking all the time. Like I would definitely wrestle like Chase Owens does where I would have the C trigger. I would also do like the J driller. I would steal the package pile driver from someone. Like I would do everyone else's moves just to spite them. Like that's exactly who I would be. And the fact that Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens are actually a tag team. I just, I don't know why I thought about it during this match, but I was like, yeah, that really works out. That is hilarious. I never thought about that either, but it works out perfectly. And I like Chase Owens. I feel like he is a crown jewel, but he's also like a diamond in the rough because the mainstream wrestling audience has never seen a Chase Owens match. Even though he's nothing like super special in the ring, he's just like, he's meant to be a pro wrestler. He's He reminds me of Silas Young in ways where like he can do things like a uh, man with his like body type shouldn't be able to do. Like they look <laughs> like just average everyday Joes. They don't look like wrestlers, but they, you can tell that they were meant to do this. Yeah. And I like Chase Owens. Uh, but yeah, back to this match. I, I, you know, I love Tama Tonga, and I also love Chase Owens. I thought this match was great. It started out on fire. There's clearly no love loss between these two. With you know, they played it up. But once again, commentary actually playing up the storylines they should be playing up and talking about the fact that everyone thought that Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens were going to side with Tama Tonga when Jay White turned against him. But no, it was just Jay White. Tongaloa and, you know, Jado on the outside looking in. And so no love lost. And this match started out hot. This match did start out hot, but like, I felt like it fizzled at one point, like something weird happened in the middle of the match and it just wasn't the same anymore. I don't know. I feel like I prefer Tamatanga wrestling as a heel it just it doesn't feel right as him being the baby face. And I miss his beard a lot too. Like when you yeah. have that giant beard, like that that's Tom Tonga at his best. But, I do miss uh, his beard for sure. Miss the skunk streak and everything like that. Like that's what I always thought it was. And it doesn't mean he smells or anything. I don't I don't know. I've never smelled him. But uh <laughs> um yeah, I don't know. This match it started out really hot, but then it kind of fizzled out. One of the spots I really liked was on the outside, Chase Owens exposed the concrete and he was about to do a suplex on Tom Tonga and Jado came over and just kicked the mat and put it yeah. back. And yeah. he just stops the move and goes and starts yelling at Jado, like, what are you doing? What the fuck are you doing? Like, and then he also, Jado saved him again from, because uh, Chase grabbed the chair and went to swing a chair at him and Jado ran over and grabbed the chair, which is the first of two times we will see this spot tonight, actually. The second time was better, in my opinion. I completely agree with that. Uh, there also was the really cool, like, kind of sunset flipping power bomb into the kind of like buckle bomb that Chase did to Tama, like, right before this. I thought that was a really cool spot. 
Um, yeah, there was that little like spot where Tama was chasing him around at the beginning when Chase went out and super kicked Jado. Like, I feel like that kind of dragged for a minute. And uh, you're right, it kind of did fizzle. Yeah. Um, Tama Tama won, though. It wasn't, he hit the gun stun, right? And then... I was going to say, the great, I think the finish of the match is really what brought me back into it because we had, once again, a nice little counter fest. These guys clearly know each other quite well. And earlier in the match, Chase had exposed one of the turnbuckles. So they were both trying to whip the other one into the turnbuckle. Uh, Chase did whip Tamatanga into it. Looked like he was going to get the victory. But Chase kicked out and then slingshotted Chase into it and hit a huge gun stun after Chase Owens had countered a bunch of gun stun attempts, even one from the top rope, which is pretty impressive because he basically just caught Tamatanga every single time. So I like that. But then, yeah, Tama did hit a big gun stun. And one with the three count, giving Tamatanga at 13 minutes and 18 seconds. I gave this match 3.5 stars. Oh, you raked it way higher than I did. I gave it 2.75. I thought, like, because it fizzled. Like, I don't know. Like, I agree. It started out really hot, but then it got weird for a while. And the finish was good, but, like, I don't know. There was just that weird part. It just, I don't know, didn't resonate in me. Yeah, I think I probably just got wrapped up into the story. You know, I'm a big Bullet Club guy, so I do love the story. And like, even Kevin Kelly on his own, he doesn't need a partner. And I do like him with Chris Charlton, but like, like I really think they're a great partnership. Um, I do miss Kevin Kelly and Don Callis. Like, yeah. I wish that they just have a one-off and come back like one time, like next year at the um, Russell Kingdom. Kingdom. Yeah, bring back Don Callis. But uh, whenever Kenny Kelly Omega, whenever Kenny Omega returns to New Japan for wrestling, that's when we're going to get that return or that reunion. Yeah, you're right. But I mean, Kevin Kelly on his own, he can like tell a story and like, yeah, he's great. I love that Kevin Kelly is basically doing everything now for English commentary and he does it live. So you yeah. don't have to wait either. Yeah, it's nice. And it's nice that he's actually there live and allowed to be there instead of him doing it from like a hotel room and watching a live feed because yeah. it was always like a second to like a, like a millisecond to a second off. And just it always drove me crazy. Like, I, I don't know why I'm one of those people, but like just that sound being off by just that much just literally infuriated me. And I have to watch it on silent. But that's not a problem anymore. So we don't have to worry about it. Let's move on to the next match. Semi-main event of night three of the G1 Came to us from A Block. Once again, the Monsters Block, as it's being called. And this was Lance Archer. Everyone must die. Everyone will die. Everyone is going to die. Taking on the rogue general himself, Bad Luck Fale, who didn't have a cigar with him, which I thought was weird when he came out to the ring. Yeah, I guess I didn't notice that part, but... I I like this matchup. I like the A block, and I like that they're calling it the Monsters block because it is except everyone except for Yano, but he's like David versus the Goliath. That's why I kind of like his win because yeah. Um, and then you got Okada, no, who's a different kind of monster. He is a different kind of monster, but this match I like the matchup because they're just two big beefy guys and like this is definitely a vince mcmahon dream matchup right here if first he line watched says, new japan like sorry. he would have he would have signed uh bad luck Fale on the spot after this match guaranteed but 
Um, I don't know. I I liked this match. I mean, it was what it was supposed to be. I so my whole thought process to this whole match was like how Lance Archer was gonna win. Because I pretty much like resigned to the fact that Lance Archer was gonna win this match and he was gonna hit um what's that move called? Uh the blackout. Yeah, the blackout. And I didn't know how he was. And like, but I I did like the spot where they had like the shoulder shoulder tackle and neither of them were going down. Like just good big meaty men like stuff. Uh when Balak Fall A got uh Irish whipped into the barricade and it basically just like collapsed into <laughs> each other. Like there's a lot of good like big like explosive spots. Yeah. In you've this hit, match. You've hit most of my notes. Uh my first note for this match, it just says hoss off to start match. Yeah. <laughs> I mean this match was fun. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, like, a great wrestling match, but, like, I had a lot of fun watching this match. And the only thing, like, I would have ranked this a quarter star higher if they didn't recycle a finish. Yeah. Like, with, like, I guess it's the same way. The only way I could see bad luck beating Lance Archer and making it seem legit is if he won by count out. But I didn't want to see that again because we just saw that in the last night with Yano. And it so it kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. But I am kind of like, and it's the same thing with Jonah. I didn't expect Lance Archer to win the, his block, but still, I thought like it's the same thing they do to him in AEW. What the fuck is this with this booking of Lance Archer? I don't know. I gave it two point seven five stars. I probably would have given it three if they wouldn't uh, had the count out finish. Yeah, I would have ranked this match higher because I really enjoyed this match. Actually, I, it was only uh, ten minutes and forty six seconds. Another one of those matches where they got in, got what they were supposed to do, got it done, and got out. Uh, I mean, super sweaty. Yeah. Uh, I mean, right away, Red Shoes, like, in this match, just him being in this match was great because Red Shoes is so small and tiny. And just seeing him in the match with both Bad Luck Fale and Lance Archer just towering over him. And then when Bad Luck Fale was trying to get the chairs involved and, like, Red Shoes kept taking him away. And then when he grabbed the one and swung around the ring post, like, I was like, kudos. Good job, Red Shoes. Way to be. And then Bad Luck Fall A built the little like coupled chairs and body slammed Archer through them. Almost got the win with the count out there. That was when I realized, all right, this match is definitely ending in count out. I thought it was going to go the opposite way and Archer was going to win by count out over Fall A. Because I really didn't think either of these guys was going to get pinned in this match either. Just didn't make sense. No, it, it, if you would have hit the blackout in that spot where... Like bad luck Fale tried to climb to the top because I don't know why he tried to go up there. But like he was gonna squish it, him. Like so when he was like holding him up, like set up for the move, my thought was can bad luck Fale do a front flip right here and not kill either of these people? And so like I'm kind of the answer was no. <laughs> yeah, there's no way they no. both would have got injured on that move. Yeah. So I'm glad they didn't do it. No. But like kayfabe in that spot, I could see it happening, but realistically, you're right. Like, Lance Archer, there had to be a count-out. I just, maybe they shouldn't have done the count-out the night before, the, like, yeah, night yeah. two. 
I don't know. 2.75 for me. Did you give her a ranking? I did. Uh, I mean, the end of the match is what really brought it down for me because I would have given this match probably about a three, probably about a three, five. Honestly, I had a lot of fun with it. I thought there were some big spots and I like watching a big Hoss fight every once in a while. But uh, the slowest fall ever over the top rope by Fall A, where it literally looked like he was doing it in slow motion. Just because I don't know why, because he's bad luck fall A and he just missed his spot. So he just literally just in slow motion, like a cartoon, tumbled over the top rope. Then you had the big flipping senton uh, cannonball from Lance Archer. And then them just battling so slowly on that apron for that. Like they were like waiting for red shoes to count. It was like one of the few times where I was like, how is this New Japan ref not counting as fast as he's supposed to? New Japan always is like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. This time he's like, one, two. It was like playing the video game and just watching the end of this match. I only gave it three stars. I wanted to give it a higher rating, but I just couldn't. So, the spot you're talking about with Valak uh, Foley going over the top rope like so slowly, he did go over really slowly, but he hit hard. Yeah. Like he really did hit the, like the ring apron and like he landed on those chairs on the outside and it made like a big like boom sound when he landed. Like big yeah, tree fall hard. hard. <laughs> yeah. Big tree fall and hard. I like bad luck fall. A. Like he's not a good in-ring wrestler, but like I like him. Like, he's a character, every time man. He wrestles, it's like I know I'm gonna have some fun. Yeah. Like, because I know that's what he's about, that's all he can do. Like he, I love him, and uh, yeah, I will always like root for Bad Luck Fale in like almost any situation. You should honestly go as Bad Luck Fale for Halloween this year. Like all you need is a beret and the shirt and a cigar, and I could believe it. Yeah, that way I wouldn't have to tattoo my head if I wore the beret. Yeah, and some sunglasses. Do it. Yeah, I'll sure. dress him as Chase and Owen some, and some uh, red and black and gray camel pants. Yeah. We got our we got our tag team costume figured out for the podcast this year already. All right, uh, with that, let us move on to the main event of night three. With this competition coming to us from C Block, and of course, this was Tetsuya Naito taking on Hiroki Goto. And yeah, I don't I I watching this match. I go back and forth. I want to hear what you have to say about it. I thought this match started out really slow, in my opinion. It, I don't know. The, it dragged on at the beginning. My overall impression, though, is as it like started going, it really picked up, and the second half of this match was really good. I, I'm not the biggest fan of Goto. And I felt like, I don't know. I didn't like this matchup that much. I don't know. But, like, I really did feel like the second half of the match really started picking up um, the kick out of, from the Destino. Uh, like, I don't know. I just really expected Nighter to win this match. So, like, when he kicked out of it, I, I thought that was over right then. Um, I don't know. What did you think of this match? So, like... I, I love Naito's, like, very smart kind of mental style in general. The fact that we got to the five-minute mark, and I feel like neither man had really done much at all. Like, Naito had thrown him into a couple barricades. It was just, once again, through the magic of editing, Cooper has calmed down. But yes, uh, this match, it was so slow to begin. Like, that just 
opening five minutes of just Naito beating on him on the outside of the match or outside of the ring. And then the next five minutes of him just kind of wailing on him and then submitting him, almost submitting him in the middle of the ring. I don't feel like this match even really got going till the 10 minute mark. But then once it did get going at that 10 minute mark, it was an absolute like banger of a sprint for the next like 12 minutes because the match went 22 minutes and 44 seconds. But I feel like over half of this match was boring as hell. And it wasn't even like the slow kind of like build that I felt like it like was building into the second half of the match. I feel like these were like two separate matches almost completely. And so like, yeah, there were so many big spots. Like there was that uh, Naito um, hitting a friggin' just huge combination into the, um, and then into a super Rana. Then he hit that uh, nasty spine buster where Goto's head like bounced off the back of the, or off of the ring. And just then like, there was so many cool things. There was a, like a wicked arm bar by Goto at one point where I thought Naito was actually going to tap out. Cause I didn't think that he could reach the, you know, uh, ropes at all. Got and, his foot, yeah. Yeah. And then he finally with his foot and yeah, this whole time I thought Naito was going to win this match. Like I was like, there's no way Goto takes the opening match from Naito. Naito was injured last year, couldn't compete at all. Like he competed in one match, got hurt versus ZSJ, and then had to forfeit. Naito is not going to lose his first G1 match back this year. And then when Goto hit, and I can't remember what that vertical suplex into just that like full slam is called. It has a Japanese name and I never can remember it. But when he hit that, Kevin Kelly like lost his mind. And then he hit the GTR like so suddenly and in comparison, the GTR is such like a like smaller move that I was sure Naito was going to kick out, and then Naito did. didn't kick out, and then the match was just over. And I felt like this match like deserved more than four stars, like in a lot of the spots of it, like when I was looking at it, like when I watched it. But then I can't give it more than three point seven five. I also feel like Kevin Kelly did a good job building up this match because I'm pretty sure his favorite wrestler is Naito. Like the way he talks about Naito and every, like he puts a lot of respect on Naito's name. And like, I think he, he really gets into Naito matches. And I think that's one of the reasons I like Naito so much is how much like you can hear in Kevin Kelly's voice. He likes Naito. Like I never get sick of hearing uh, Destino. Kelly, yeah, I never get sick of hearing that. But yeah, I thought that I was going to win as well. Uh, the surprise of Goto winning um, helped my rating. I did like the overall story that Naito was already targeting his arm um, earlier in night in a tag match. So, I mean, I like that they brought that in there. I gave this one uh, 3.5 stars because of how slow it started out. But once it got going, it really got going. Yeah, I I mean, with that, like, second 12 minutes of the match, I feel like the it was like a four-star. It could have been a four-star match if just that first 10 minutes would have been anything besides what it was. And I know it's early in the G1, but I also, even with how much I've liked the Kenta versus ZSJ match, I don't think we've had, like, a standout match yet from the G1. And I feel like we always have had a standout match by the third night and past G1s. So that feels a little weird. Yeah, but by the third night, aren't they already usually on, like, second round, basically? 
Yeah, I mean, by I guess by the fourth night, I mean, everyone's competed at least. They're going on competing. This will be, yeah, everyone will be competed for the second time by night four. So, yeah, I guess that's true. So with this weird new style, I guess they just have to wait longer for our first true actual banger of a match. Not that we haven't had good matches, but I just think we've had a standout match. Like we said at the beginning, this is total like chaos. So like, I don't know what to expect. Like my block winners that I have predicted, like I don't think that I'm going to get all four right. Like with the way it's going, like my predictions for the first three nights, I went five and seven. So I'm, yeah, I'm probably not going to do very well with my predictions. Uh, yeah, we both filled out brackets for fun. Uh, shout out to Brett of the Brain Buster Boys and his boy, what's his name? Azar. For Azar. Azar for making these brackets. I know Azar made it. So shout out to you and letting us uh, fill them out. I actually recounted. I'm actually eight and four because I did get the Okada Jeff Cobb match right because I'm smart. <laughs> but yes uh what a wonderful segue well there was a wonderful segue about seven sentences ago and we just blew right by it because now that we talked about all three of the nights that have already happened let's preview the matches for the upcoming three nights that will happen before we record again and isn't this nice three nights for uh the first uh night or first time of reviewing i don't know fuck it let's talk about what matches are upcoming so, on Saturday, the 23rd of July, for G1 action, we have in C block, Zack Sabre Jr. taking on Hanare. In D block, we have Yoshihashi, in his first action, taking on Shingo Takagi. In A block, we have Kazuchika Okada versus Toriano. Boo. And then finally, in the main event... In B block, we have Tamahiro Ishii versus Jay White. What excites you the most about those matches? That sounds like a solid night. You know that Yano Okada matches are always fun. They always are fun because Okada gets down to Yano's level. And that's why he's the GOAT, for real. Like, he can wrestle anybody's style, even Yano's. So, I don't know. That's not the match that excites me the most. Um, what was the second match again? The card again? Oh, uh, Yoshihashi versus Shingo Takagi. Uh, okay, I would say that would excite me, except it's Yoshihashi, so it doesn't excite me. Um, I like the Zack Saber Jr. match, and obviously the Jay White versus Ishii. I feel like that one isn't going to be as good as I'm playing it out to be in my head, but it could be. Who knows? We'll see. Any match with Jay White has the potential to be the match of the tournament, in my opinion. So it's probably not going to be this one, but you never know. You never know. I'm very excited to see ZSJ taking on Hanare because Hanare is trained in all these different martial arts. And I am excited to see if ZSJ breaks his will or if Hanare gets another, you know, kind of, it'll be a upset if ZSJ loses to Hanare. So be very interested to see what happens to that match. The other three matches on the card, yeah, they're going to be solid. I don't think this is going to be the greatest night of G1 action, but it'll be solid. 
All right, we'll move on to Sunday, July 24th. And in G1 action, we have D-Block, El Fantasmo, a.k.a. ELP, taking on the Tokyo Pimp, Yujiro Takahashi. In B-Block action, we have Sonata taking on Tai Chi. In A-Block action, a.k.a. the Monsters Block, we have Jeff Cobb taking on Bad Luck Fale. Hoss fight. And then finally, in the main event, from C-Block, we have the ace himself, Hiroshi Tanahashi, taking on Tetsuya Naito. Whew. Yeah, that's a solid night right there. I mean, obviously, I'm excited for Bad Luck Fale versus Jeff Cobb. Yeah. Um, Oh, man, I forget all the matches after you said that one. Um, ELP <laughs> versus Yujiro, Sonata I'm, versus I'm Tai excited. Chi. I'm excited for all those matches because I'm excited to see ELP wrestle again, even though it's against Yujiro. Who cares? I still want to see ELP. And um, what was the next one? Sonata versus Tai Chi. That's going to be a badass match. This is going to be a pretty, pretty good night. I think this, like, on paper has the odds not to have the probably the best match of the tournament, but just one of the best nights overall of tournament action. Because all four of those matches, I want to see every one of them. And honestly, that Sonata versus Tai Chi could be a dark horse match for, like, a match of the tournament. Because those guys are going to beat the piss out of each other. It's going to be fun. All right. I'm excited for the next night, though. Yes. And uh, the final night that we'll preview... Oh, we'll actually have four nights to review next week because there is also Wednesday action, but we'll have watched that. Yeah. So on Tuesday, July 26th, G1 action. We have from B Block in his first contest of the G1, the great Ocon taking on the crown jewel Chase Owens. In C Block action, we have Kenta taking on in his first G1 action of this year evil in a block we have once again in his first g1 action of this year tom lawler taking on lance archer and finally in the main event we have from d block david finley taking on juice robinson record i totally forgot that tom lawler was in the monsters block yeah i did too actually for him that's not good for him no. Uh, but I'm excited for that match because I like Tom Lawler and I fully expect him to beat Lance Archer. And I, I definitely picked that on my uh, uh, bracket. Yeah. I don't know. I just feel like Lance Archer is going to get jobbed. Um, but yeah, I'm excited for Juice versus David Finley because former tag team and all. Uh they should they should hit pretty hard in that match. There's a lot of uh Ocon facing again. Uh Chase oh, Owens. Yeah, yep. That's gonna be a fun match. Uh what was the other match on the card? Uh Kenta versus Evil. And I'm not mad about that one at all either. No. So uh bring on next there's night five. Bring it on. Uh yeah, that will be no, that'll be night four, five. That'll be night six. No. Okay, bring it on. And then you know what? Might as well, since it will we'll talk about it next week. So we might as well preview it real quick. For Wednesday, July 27th, we also have a show, so we'll have four nights to talk about. So finally, 
on that Wednesday, the 27th in D Block, we got Will Ospreay taking on Yujiro Takahashi, the Tokyo Pimp. In A Block, we have Toriyano versus Bad Luck Fale. In C Block, we have Hiroki Goto versus Aaron Hanare. And in D Block, in the main event, we have Tamahiro Ishii versus Tamatanga. I won't lie to you. This is the one time I will say it. The match I am most excited for is Toriano versus Bad Luck Fale because Bad Luck Fale always brutalizes the fuck out of Toriano. And you know what he has, folks? He has no time for Toriano shit, and I love it. Those are always the best matches. You're right, because he beats the shit out of Toriano. But, like, he's already stooped to Toriano's level as it is, so that, that's what makes it great, because they're both trying to cheat to win anyways. Oh, yeah, so 100%. They're, they're, they're fun matches. Um, yeah, they all sound great to me. I'm excited for next week's review, because we're going to have a lot of great matches to talk about, and it's, I'm just... I wonder how I'm going to feel next week with the chaos. If I'm going to be like, holy shit, we need to like calm this shit down and like go back to like block by block action. Or if I'm going to be totally into it, I'm interested. Yeah. We'll have to see how future us feels because it will only get ramped up from here. Cause boy, oh boy, the G one is cooking right now. But yes, tune in next week for our continued coverage of New Japan Pro Wrestling G1 Climax 32. All right, well, it's a solid pro wrestling episode. Well, that sound effect means it is time for us to get on out of here. So, Diesel. Final thoughts. What you got? Um, as I mentioned last week, I might have a new cat by this recording. And technically we do. Um, we did adopt a kitty last night, but she is only one month old. So she has to get spayed today and then we get to pick her up tomorrow night and bring her home. And so we will have a new kitty Still haven't come up with a name for her yet, but uh, we're working on it. We have one that's a maybe, but... She's very cute. I've seen a photo. Yes, she is very adorable. Like, it's when you, we got her, for the home, got her from the Humane Society, and when you go, like, they let you visit two animals at a time, and we didn't need to visit the second animal because, I don't know, you know, sometimes and I was holding her and it's just like, definitely she feels like she's my cat. So yeah, we don't need to see another animal. Let's let's uh, bag her and bring her home. <laughs> bag her and tag her. When you know, yeah. you know, though, when you know, you know, I, I picked yeah, up Zeus for the first time and I was like, this is my dog. So, you know, you just yeah. when you pick out an animal, sometimes you just know. Exactly. So we need to pick her up tomorrow and. She's really tiny, though, so it's going to be interesting. And she's black and white, so in the nighttime, I hope that she's not laying, like, right underneath my feet when I get out of bed. Because that would be horrible. Cats are quick. They'll be fine. That's true. Uh, Any other final thoughts, Diesel? Uh, We got our uh, friend's barbecue on Sunday, which 
it's gonna be awesome it's all the foods that i like so i'm excited and good company as well yeah it's gonna be nice diesel and i are actually gonna see each other in person again this weekend and next weekend it's just uh oh, yeah he's next weekend's the insane eight yeah so next week we'll have even more to talk about and then in two weeks we'll really have more to talk about i can I don't know if it was just having a kid or now that I have a kid, I just feel like I have less time. So everything feels like, but I now feel like I don't ever have any downtime. Like this last weekend where it was the one weekend that we didn't have to do anything. We ended up, we're like, well, let's plan a brunch for ourselves. And then we went out drinking and then we went and yeah. saw a, you know, Johnny Cash and Elvis impersonator. And it was great. You see, yeah, that's what happens. Like you plan on doing nothing then you end up doing something and then it's like you never get the rest that you need <laughs> yeah and then you never get that chance to do nothing because once yeah. it's gone it's gone i know it is really hard like part of me can't wait for 18 more years <laughs> <laughs> i now see why parents count down until their children leave the nest yeah i mean that's horrible thought but at the same time it's like yeah <laughs> i get it i get it all right, though. Yeah, my final thoughts are I'm jacked for the G1. Obviously, this, you know, next week is going to be great. We will see another four nights of action. Death Before Dishonors on Saturday night, so I'm probably going to watch that at some point this weekend. I'm excited. The main event is Jonathan Gresham versus Claudio Castagnoli for the Ring of Honor Championship. So I'm going to say, fuck yeah, let's do it. Yeah. They that's... also got Daniel Garcia versus Wheeler Yuta. There's it's a lot of good matches on that card. Yes, a yeah. L- lot of fun. Very excited for Death Before Dishonor. I definitely will probably try and get that in. I, I don't know with all the G1 action and everything else going on in life if I will, but I will try, and maybe we'll talk about it too. next week. Yeah, but who knows? Uh, besides that, Barbecue Sunday, just still raising Cooper. She's doing wonderful. Um, yeah, besides that, I got nothing else going on. So Diesel social media stuff so we can get on out of here you can follow me on twitter at diesel underscore vftr you can follow chad on twitter at chad underscore mind or at vftr2po you can follow us on facebook or instagram by searching view from the top rope official or on youtube you can search view from the top rope you will find us right there you can send us an email to visionaries global media no that's not it oh damn it i was doing so good this week and i fucked it up you can send us an email to view from top rope at gmail.com try to think about for a second and be sure to follow visionaries global media on twitter at viz global media you can send your podcasts into visionariesglobalmedia at gmail.com where you will be reviewed, most likely added to the network, and you will be heard around the world on apps such as Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Audible, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. All those, I know for sure. And so, so, so many others. Just type in VFTR 2.0 or Visionaries Global Media. You'll find us on a podcasting platform you enjoy. Also, quick shout out to the two new podcasts on Visionaries Global Media, because I always forget to promote these things, both the Wrestling Index and the Floor Slappers podcast. 
uh, respectively, a pro wrestling podcast and also a sports podcast. Make sure to check them both out. Uh, they'll be coming out more consistently very soon, but this time they'll be on there sporadically. You know, just follow Visionaries Global Media. You'll hear him come out. Check out Tim. He's a really smart guy. Awesome dude. Met him at Forbidden Door. Check him out. He's fun to listen to. But besides that, we thank you so much for listening to the madness that we call a podcast. We hope that we have gotten you through that boring workday, that workout that we're so proud of you for finishing, or whatever else you happen to be doing while you are listening to our dulcet tones. As always, I have been Chad. He has been Diesel. We seriously thank you so much for listening. It's so wonderful that you people listen to us and have now for multiple years. Or if you are brand new and this is the first time you've listening to us, thank you for checking us out. Whatever it is, we thank you. Please come back next week. Remember to like, comment, share, download, subscribe. I don't know. Whatever else, hell else kids say nowadays. Just do it. Tell your friends, your neighbors, your enemies, or who else will listen to you to listen to us on VFTR 2.0 and Visionaries Global Media. Always remember, though, please be kind to each other out there. We are all just humans on this trying to survive on this blue spinning herb orb that we call Earth. Look at that, Diesel. I'm fucking up my own ending as well. It's just one of those kinds of days. But please... Always remember to climb up high and enjoy VFTR 2.0.